Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. Thank you for joining us for this sermon. You can find all of our sermons at holycommunion.net and our Facebook, YouTube, and podcast channels. Consider hitting like or subscribe. Consider sharing this sermon with others. It helps us to reach more people like you. We are so thankful to those who support our ministry. You can give today at holycommunion.net backslash give. Please be seated. My primary text this morning is neither from Luke nor from Hosea. I'm sorry about that. It's summer. I'm feeling a little off book. Uh, there's a single line, though, from the book of Proverbs that kept coming to me as I read today's lessons. And I want to sit with this single line for a minute. It's one that's always made me a little bit uncomfortable. It goes like this, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What are we to do with fear? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The question comes to me in part because of what the prophet Hosea says in today's lesson. They will walk after the Lord who roars like a lion. When God roars, the children will come trembling, and I will return them to their homes. Think about that for a second. Maybe even close your eyes. What does it sound like when God roars? Imagine it makes your skin prickle a little bit, no? Hosea tells us it makes the children tremble. But notice where it leads. The prophets wanted people to have a healthy relationship with fear. Healthy fear. What's the difference between unhealthy fear and healthy fear? A certain measure of fear is necessary. A certain measure of fear keeps you safe. Our ancestors had a certain healthy measure of fear, scientists tell us, or we wouldn't be here. They learned how to avoid areas where they were predators, how not to climb on high cliffs. A certain amount of fear keeps you safe. Parents will tell you a certain amount of fear is necessary to keep your children alive. You have to instill healthy fear in your kids. Honest parents will also tell you that they didn't know what fear really was until they started parenting. Your kids can terrify you pretty regularly as well. And so a certain amount of fear is necessary to help us grow. And the kind of fear that Hosea prophesies, a healthy fear, can lead you home. But we live in times of unhealthy fear. And take a look at the newspaper. Uh, there's a constant pipeline of terror on the 24-hour news cycles, on the television, on the computer, on the glowing rectangles that we keep in our pockets. Have you heard of this term doom scrolling? Doom scrolling? It's likely to be one of the words of the year, one of the additions to Webster's Dictionary in the next year or two. Doom scrolling. It's a way of describing our unhealthy relationship with the news, reading story after story about climate change, war, inflation, political dreadlock, deadlock, unhealthy fears all around us. 
And that's the kind of fear that Jesus is addressing in his story today, I think. St. Basil, commenting on this gospel in the 4th century, imagined his own conversation with Jesus' parabolic farmer. Listen to what Basil imagined asking the man. If you fill these larger barns, what will you do next? Will you tear them down again, only to build them up once more? What could be more ridiculous than the incessant toil laboring to build and then laboring to tear down again? If you want storehouses, you have them in the stomachs of the poor. If you want storehouses, you have them in the stomachs of the poor. There's a freedom in Basil's response to Jesus. Basil's response to Jesus's greedy protagonist, isn't there? Yes, Basil's concerned about the poor, but he's concerned about this rich farmer as well. This man is afraid. He's working so hard to protect his wealth. He's working so hard to protect what he has. He's investing so much in time and energy and labor into the storehouses. He's missing the point. He has enough. He has more than enough. This man is already free to give away out of his abundance. But the fool can't see his freedom. He's caught in an unhealthy fear. How much sin comes from misplaced, unhealthy fear? The fear of Jesus' rich farmer is the oldest fear in the book. Uh, Walter Brueggemann, the Old Testament scholar who started his career here at Eden Seminary, he says that the Bible starts out as a book of abundance. Even after the departure from Eden, people have enough. It's not until the 47th chapter of Genesis that Pharaoh gets involved in the story. And Pharaoh dreams that there will be famine in the land. So Pharaoh gets organized to administer control and monopolize the food supply. Pharaoh introduces the principle of scarcity into the world economy, into the Bible. For the first time in the Bible, someone says, there's not enough, let's get everything. Pharaoh builds the first storehouses. And those storehouses echo in Jesus' story. And the question is about where we place our fear. Are we afraid for ourselves? Or are we concerned for our neighbor? And fear for ourselves is natural. But care for our neighbors takes spiritual work. Many of us in the congregation are facing some pretty natural fears. And I'm going to tread on some ground here that I know is a little iffy, so hang with me. It's funny, I just came back from my 20th high school reunion, and in this congregation I got exactly two responses to that. Um, from a good chunk of the congregation I got 20 years, gosh, you're old. <laughs> and from another chunk of the congregation I got 20 years, ah, you're so young. But, but. I want to walk onto this ground with you because there's a natural fear happening for a lot of us. There's a certain fear that comes with getting older. Bodies act differently. And there was a moment this week 
this last week that really caught a number of folks I know by surprise. It was a deep moment of hope. Did you see Joni Mitchell perform at the Newport Folk Festival? If you haven't yet, Google it. It's the best news that I've seen in a long time. Uh, but it was the first time that Joni Mitchell had played the festival in over 50 years. And she's 78. But more than that, it was the first full concert that Joni Mitchell has held since she had a brain aneurysm in 2015. After the aneurysm for a while, Mitchell wasn't able to talk. She had to relearn how to play guitar. And what was so inspiring was not just hearing how good Joni sounded, how much she had overcome, it was seeing that she wasn't alone. She was up there on stage at Newport in a room that looked a little bit like this one. She had a whole community gathered around her. Brandy Carlisle, the younger artist, she's a little older than me, so I can say younger and feel good about myself, but Brandy Carlisle summoned a whole community of singers to back up Joni Mitchell. And at times, Brandy helped her remember lines to her own songs. They had her back. And the set was a testament to how we can lift one another up, not cast someone aside as they age, as they deal with the difficulties of illness and disability. Joni sat on a golden throne, literally, and sang. And it was a picture of hope, and goodness, and if you haven't seen it, do yourself the favor. We've been conducting a lot of funerals lately at Holy Communion. Just yesterday, we held a service for Chris Carter, who died too young. We read again yesterday the words from Jesus in the Gospel of John. We've read them multiple services this season. Jesus says in that Gospel, in my Father's house, there is room to spare. If it were not so, I would, I, I would have told you. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus doesn't want us to fear death. And don't be anxious about life beyond the grave. Don't listen to preachers who would have you worry about fire and brimstone. That's not it. Trust that our beloved friends and family are with God, and with God there is always, always room to spare. And Jesus doesn't want us to fear death, but Jesus does want us to be concerned with how we spend the days we have. Fear God, not because of some image of punishment. Fear God because you are accountable to God's standard. Fear God because God desires deeply, fundamentally, that each of us are caught up in the work of building up God's kingdom of justice, equity, and love. The Hebrew word for fear, the one that appears in Proverbs, it's connected to the words for awe, for reverence, for wonder, for worship. In the prophet Samuel's final speech to the people, he says, don't turn aside and follow useless idols that can't help or save you. They are absolutely useless. And Samuel utters the famous words, only fear the Lord and serve God faithfully. What if we allowed our fears to be reordered, to be transformed? This was a week when many of us knew a measure of fear. 
I'll let you determine what of it was healthy and unhealthy. I heard an interview on the radio of a Jesuit priest in St. Louis who found himself on Forest Park Parkway, a street that I drive back and forth almost every day, when the road flooded. And the way Forest Park Parkway goes, he didn't have time, he didn't have anywhere to go to get onto high ground to escape the rainwater. His car got stuck. And when the water got up to his seat, he decided it was time to bail out. And so, and he was able to swim to safety. I read about a teenager in University City who smashed the floorboards of his neighbor's kitchen with a cast iron skillet. Did you read about this? He smashed his neighbor's floorboards to help rescue a child trapped in the rising water of the basement. And certainly, healthy fear helped motivate action, helped save lives this week. But I wonder, could we allow our momentary fear to translate deeper? Could our common experience of fear help us get better connected? I'm thankful that most of us in this congregation suffered only minor damage in this week's rains. As, as far as I've heard, we did okay as a congregation. But drive down Vernon this week, just past where we do laundry love. You'll see dumpsters lining the sidewalks. Many of our neighbors lost a great deal more. In the months ahead, some of our neighbors are going to face toxic mold, unsanitary conditions. Some of our neighbors lost the lifeline of their transportation, and that loss might cost them income, even a job. Many of us faced temporary fear this week as the waters rose. And I wonder whether that temporary fear might help us see and do something about the long-time suffering of our neighbors. As St. Basil puts it, the only storehouses you need are the bellies of your hungry neighbors. Fearing God is about reorienting priorities, letting go of the need to get ahead. Fearing God is about seeing, really seeing, the way our neighbors are being forced to live every day. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. One more short story, if you'll permit me. When I was a kid, I used to love C.S. Lewis. And in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when young Susan comes through the wardrobe, and she hears for the first time of Aslan, the lion, from Mr. Beaver. And Susan asks about the lion, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Mr. Beaver responds, safe? Who said anything about safe? Course he isn't safe, but he's good. But he's good. Following God isn't safe. Being a Christian won't guarantee you a life of comfort and ease. God is not tame. The God of Israel, the God of Jacob, the God of Jesus, is full of raw power, frightening amounts of power. God should instill in us a little healthy fear because God charges us always, always to grow, to change, to build more justice. If all your fear is doing as an emotion is shutting you down, if all your fear is doing is making you numb, if all that fear is doing in your life is causing you to buy more insurance for your house 
or click purchase for survival supplies online, then your fear isn't the fear of God. The fear of God calls us away from all our false fears. Fears that we don't have enough, that we aren't enough. The fear of God makes us free, free to act, free to care for one another. The fear of God calls us home. So when you find yourself doom-scrolling, whenever you find yourself afraid, remember that biblical fear, it isn't an end to itself. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. See if you can't reorient some of that fear away from whatever temporary crisis or anxiety has your attention. Get to work. Each day, God demands your very life, nothing less. Get some of the fear of God in you. You might just find yourself free. Free to make life a little less fearful for your neighbor. Amen.